being humble in life, I personally believe the journey is better. That I personally believe more people are attracted to you. You attract other like-minded people. You attract people that want to fight for you. Uh, the journey is more fun. And, and so that's all translated into energy as opposed to the arrogant person. The EOS life is doing what you love with people you love, making a difference, being compensated appropriately, with time for other passions. The EOS life. Hi, I'm Mark O'Donnell, visionary at EOS Worldwide, and I'd like to welcome you to another edition of the EOS Life podcast, where we explore the why and the how of entrepreneurs actively living their ideal life. Now, not later, and not in retirement. The world of entrepreneurial freedom and the impact on those around you depends on it. Today, we continue and conclude our conversation with the creator of EOS and author of The EOS Life, Gina Wickman. In part one, we talked about the five points of The EOS Life that Gino describes in his book. And today, we're going to discuss the bonus mini book on the 10 disciplines for managing and maximizing your energy. Gino, talk to us about how these disciplines connect to the five points of living your EOS life. What's the genesis of these disciplines? Yeah, great, great place to start. So here's kind of the origin story behind this, because it is fairly new, you know, so mm -hmm. where the EOS life has been alive and well, trying to do the math for the last 16 years, mm -hmm. this is about a year and a half old. Okay, so it's very, very new. And, and this is me being a little vulnerable. So the origin story is that was book to do the EOS conference as your keynote speaker. Mm -hmm. And as is my process, I wait for the message to come to me. Okay. And so the first, whatever it was, two or three years, my topic was the EOS life. And we kind of put the finishing touches on that. And I felt like it was time for a new topic. And somehow at the end of January and the talk is in April, it comes to me at the end of January. And so when I talk about being vulnerable, what came to me is that I think I'm going to share the things that I do personally to manage my energy, to keep my energy high, you know, just some personal disciplines that make me more effective up and over living the EOS life in those five points. Mm -hmm. So, so that's the first part of the story. I then delivered the message and it was incredibly well received and the reaction it gets when I share these 10 disciplines it's different than any other reaction I get. And so there's like, there's something there because it's like this whole other level. Okay. And then this year, the second year of the EOS conference, I delivered the same message and put a, a, a tidier bow on it, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then I delivered the talk for a different audience, again, all getting that same reaction. And so then when I was called to write this book, the EOS life, as I'm writing the book, I, I, I had to make a judgment call. Do I want to include this in the book? And I decided to do it. I'm going to come back to that point in just a second. But same thing, I had 80 test readers on this book and more test readers than I've ever had before. And same thing, it got the same reaction from those 80 test readers. And so all of that told me there's something here. It has to be shared. 
And so what's a little wonky, if you will, is, is the EOS content is your EOS worldwide. You know, it's the intellectual property that I sold to you guys when I sold the business. Well, the 10 disciplines is very much mine. And so it's, it's kind of weird, this relationship that we have, but we have this wonderful relationship where we're these great collaborators for each other. So I did the weird thing that what pretty much the way I do everything in my life is weird <laughs> and different and unique and uncommon is I put a book inside of a book and, and I call it a mini book. And I just felt like it needs to be in this book. And then obviously you and I talked back and mm -hmm. forth and we just decided it need to go into this book. And so that's the origin story. And again, the reaction it gets just compelled to include it. And then we're obviously always obsessed about that disclaimer. So the world knows 10 disciplines is mine, EOS life is yours, just so we're not confusing the world. So that's the, the weird thing I decided to do. And that's how this all came about. And, and, and so the last little point is this content is for racehorses. Okay. And so the important disclaimer here is these 10 disciplines are for people who have the basics down. Mm -hmm. You're eating right, you're sleeping, you're exercising, you are successful, you are hard charging. And now what I'm going to do as a racehorse is I'm going to rein in your energy so that you can run faster and win more races. This is not about taking somebody who's, you know, at level one and trying to teach them how to get out of bed and be motivated in the morning. This assumes that you are motivated, you are a hard charging person, and we're going to make you even better. And how does this relate to the five points of the EOS life? Can you be living the five points of the EOS life? Can you be eights, nines, or, or tens in the EOS life and not be living these 10 disciplines? Or do these help you go from, you know, a seven to a 10? So what I would urge, the best way for the audience to understand this is keep them separate. Mm -hmm. They both literally stand on their own because I don't want anyone to feel obligated that you have to implement the 10 disciplines in your life and also understand you can implement two out of 10. You don't have to implement them all. So yeah. the EOS life is completely separate and you will have an amazing life. If you never heard about these, this is like literally pouring gasoline on the fire. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is, it is just taking it to a whole nother level. And just as quickly, you could be doing the 10 disciplines as a very successful person and not even know about the EOS life. And you're going to have incredible impact again, if you're that racehorse that I'm driving. So bottom line though, is the reason I want it in the book is because they truly take it to a whole nother level when you're doing both. Right. But there's nothing that says, you know, you have to be doing both. Nice. So the, the listener is probably like, what in the world are these 10 magical disciplines <laughs> by this point? They're like, well, I want fuel on my fire. Like, so let's go. So. Uh, yeah. let, let's dive in. What is discipline number one? So discipline number one is what I call 10-year thinking. And where this comes from is I discovered this when I was 35 years old, best guess, right in the middle of my 30s. I'm 53 now. So I've been living by this, you know, religiously for 18 years. And the awareness, the aha was up until then, you know, again, I was just hard charging long-term goals and short-term goals, but, but I was pretty impatient. I wanted everything now. And I was just working hard and, and, and less short-term focused. Mm -hmm. 
when I discovered this and shifted my thinking to 10 year timeframes, what I realized is time slows down. There's a calm that comes over you. There's a patience that comes over you. You literally start making better decisions. And then ironically, you get there faster. And so it was transformative for me and has been transformative as I've shifted my thinking. And then there's a great quote out there that goes, people overestimate what they can get done in a year, but they underestimate what they can get done in 10 years. Mm -hmm. So the irony is you are literally going to get more done in your life if you will shift to thinking in 10-year timeframes. So why 10 years? Why not 25? Well, there's a philosophy out there to think in 20-year timeframes. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's a philosophy to think in 100-year timeframes. That's how the Japanese do it. Yeah. So that's probably the better way. But here's the reality. I'm just trying to get that person that keeps thinking about today, this week, this month, this year at best. And I'm just trying to get their brain to go to 10-year thinking. So 25 and 100-year thinking is probably better, but that's that's like too big of a pill to swallow for 99% of the world. So let's just get one victory with 10-year thinking. Yeah, got it, got it. Uh, so that's great. And when you talk about 10-year thinking, in, inside of the 10 years, you have a, a business cycle, right? Mm-hmm. And so do you want to talk a little bit about the, the business cycle inside of that 10 years? And yeah. what is the mindset that understanding or knowing a business cycle, when the economy is working the way it normally works? How does that work? Yeah. So you know, what's interesting about what you're asking is, this is like the icing on the cake what Mm -hmm. i'm about to share and because just shift your mind to 10-year thinking and your world is going to change for the better the icing on the cake is something my business mentor sam cup taught me when i was 26 years old i would guess maybe 27. and he said gino in business there is a 10-year cycle okay and in that 10-year cycle you're going to have two great years six good years and two terrible years that will potentially put you out of business. And so if you add that up, that's 10 years. So ironically, it fits in what we're talking about. He taught me that now almost 30 years ago, and it is held true for 30 years, three 10-year cycles in my life. And, And so the power of the lesson in this and the icing on the cake is my passionate plea to everyone listening out there is that in your business, you are going to experience this. When you're having your two great years, don't get cocky. They're coming to an end. Six good years, that ain't all bad. But there are two years that are going to kick you in the ass and potentially put you out of business. And so the biggest message is be prepared. Be prepared. So be prepared means have at least six months of cash flow sitting in an account somewhere, both in your business account and your personal account, at a minimum, ideally a year's worth of cash. So the thing that's going to kick you in the ass, you never know what it's going to be. Who would have guessed it would have been a pandemic in this 10 years? Mm -hmm. But they're all different. The the Great Recession of 08-09, industry changes that kick you in the ass, the need for a turnaround in my family's business. It's You have no idea what it's going to be. Don't even try to predict it. But something really bad is coming within. So so we're, we're coming out of this pandemic. Get ready. There's something else in the next 10 years that's going to kick you in the ass. Don't try and figure out what it is. It's coming. Be prepared. And, and the, the peace of mind and something that thrills me is 
everyone that I've taught this to since my mentor taught it to me in the last three years, you know, all of our EOS implementers, my clients, I cannot tell you when this pandemic hit, how many texts, calls, emails that I got from people saying, thank you for that lesson, mm -hmm. because I'm good. I am prepared for this. So if you weren't prepared and you're licking your wounds right now, just be prepared for the next 10 years. That's the most important thing. The past is the past, just be prepared. So thanks for asking that because I love teaching that message to the world, to anyone that will listen to me because it's true. That's right. And I think the, the really interesting part about this is if you have this 10 year thinking, that pressure to deliver to perform right now I have to have it all right now and also having the tenure thinking that there's going to be two years going to be really really hard there's going to be two that are really great and, and six that are pretty good now all of a sudden you just have this total sense of calm and control and preparedness and pretty much everyone wants to have that sense of calm and control and preparedness that they're just really ready for anything mentally prepared for pretty much for pretty much anything, right? Yeah, and what I would add to that is, you know, we're talking about energy management yep. and maximization. So where this translates to energy, just imagine now all of your decisions are tenure decisions. Mm -hmm. So just think about what that does for your energy in terms of that urgency. When you get your ass kicked for those two years, tenure outlook says, I'm gonna be just fine yep. five years from now. But right now I'm getting my ass kicked. I've got enough cash to survive this thing. I gotta make some brutally difficult decisions. I might have to lay off half my people right now, but I'm gonna be fine in five years. Mm -hmm. So think about what that does for your energy. So 10 year thinking is truly transformative for your energy, mm -hmm. which is again, the whole topic of this conversation. Yeah, for sure. All right, so discipline number two, take time off. Yeah, so there's a couple of these that there's a, a, a glimpse of it, a flavor of it in the EOS life points. But, mm -hmm. but this is just fundamentally understanding physically, psychologically, tangibly, every measure that if you will take time off, you will be better. And again, we're talking about energy here. Mm -hmm. So just understanding that I've got to take time off as a human being. And that time off I urge that you think in terms of days off, not an hour off. When you get home at seven and don't work from seven to eight, you didn't take an hour off. So stop doing that to yourself out there. It's it. a full day off. It is two full days off. It is a full week off. For me, the month of August, it is a full month off. It's turning the world off, turning your work life off to let as some will say, your soul catch up, to let your everything catch up to the harried pace you're running too hard and fast. And so what happens is you recreate recreation. And so you're enjoying recreation, you're literally recreating. And so you are a better person. So it's just buying into taking time off. And now all of a sudden, let's take it one step further. My impassioned plea and what I'm teaching you to do in this book is to pick your number of days. Mm -hmm. And so I take 160 days off a year, non-negotiable. That's my winning formula that makes me a better worker, a better producer. I'm more productive when I take that time off. When I take that month off in August and we have the sabbatical challenge with the EOS life 
And so we're going to hopefully have thousands of people that start taking month-long sabbatical. When I come back from that sabbatical, which, by the way, I'm just doing math, was 10 days ago. I just got back 10 <laughs> days ago. I come back better. Yeah. And I turn it off for 30 days. I don't think about business. And I literally do everything in my power to forget what I do for a living so that when I come back, I hope I'm still passionate about it. And now this is 21 years running. I've come back 21 years running more passionate than ever about what I do. So I come back better. And so simply put, take time off, pick the number of days you're going to take off, pre-schedule all of your vacations. You want to motivate yourself. We're talking about energy here. Mm -hmm. When you know you've got a vacation coming, you're going to spend time with your spouse. You're going to spend time with your family. You're going to spend time by yourself or time with friends. You get excited and you look forward to those things. And that creates energy as well. So I think it's interesting now in the People are working at home, they're remote, you know, we have all the tech all around us that kind of ropes us into work being easy and accessible all the time. Yeah. Uh, I would love to not have a phone at all. I mean, that would be fantastic because it always seems to hook you. What do you do with your phone so it doesn't hook you when you're supposed to be taking time off? Yeah, well, well the first thing is you you can't take big blocks of time off and in a week is a big block of time okay? sure yeah. hey, this isn't as big of an issue but to take a week off you have to have an assistant or assistance so somebody's got to cover you when you're gone and so you know right now i'm talking to all the entrepreneurs out there and i'm talking to all the leadership team members out there you have the luxury of having an assistant or assistance when you go away you know, for the employees in an organization, it's a little more challenging. You might have to have another employee that backs you up. But I want to start with the entrepreneur and I want to give it to you in its purest form. And then you just got to get a little creative for everyone else. And that is, I can only speak for myself. I do not check email. I rarely see my email. My assistant takes care of all of my email pretty much since the day email was invented, okay? <laughs> and, and, and so I beg you to embrace this. We're talking about energy management. We're not gonna yeah. go it too far into this, but you get sucked into your email. It drains your energy. Quick math, if you will give your email to someone, it frees up three to five hours a week is the quick math. And I yeah. think that's very yeah. generous yeah. math. Yeah, I think so. so I don't check my email, my assistant does. When I go on vacation, you know, my voicemail is immediately changed for anybody that has my cell phone number. And it just says, I'm on vacation. I'm not checking this voicemail. If you need anything, call my assistant. So everything is directed to my assistant. It's just one funny thing happened. And that is a text message came through my phone about 10 years ago. What was it, about 10 years ago when texting started? Yeah, give or take. And of all things, your dear friend and my dear friend, Jonathan Smith, was the first text I ever received from someone. <laughs> that and figures. when that came through to my phone, I went, this is going to change everything because yep. it pierces the shield. And mm -hmm. so I'm going to talk about how to handle text. vibrates your pocket. <laughs> it, it pierced the shield. It was the first time someone penetrated my fortress when I was away on vacation. And so Jonathan, you son of a gun. So anyway, <laughs> now the texts roll. So, you know, first of all, you've got to condition everyone in your world that, you know, if, if you want to be protected, you know, texting should not be your primary way. But I do like to text, it's very efficient. Yeah. But bottom line is when I'm on vacation, that's the one thing that pierces the shield. When a text comes through, I, do not get sucked into that text. I uh, reply that I am on vacation until this date, and I will reply to this when I get back. If you need anything urgent, 
talk to my assistant. So I'm fanatical about still pushing that away. The last thing is I conditioned everyone in my world. I'm gone in August. You can't find me in my work world. And I'm not going to respond to texts in three seconds. My assistant manages all email. So my world is conditioned that nobody is trying to get a hold of me in 15 minutes. You're never going to call me and get a hold of me and get a response in 15 minutes, but you will hear back in 24 hours. So again, so what with a text, I just let them know I'm, I'm on vacation. That's long dissertation on how you manage that. Yeah. Point was you got to have an assistant or assistant, somebody who's assisting you for that to work. Yeah. And, and it's really about protecting the time off. Otherwise you're just doing work in a different location, right? Exactly right. Yeah. And again, let's go all the way back to time off. We're managing energy here. Yeah. Shame on you out there. If you say, but I have to, I can't, uh -huh. I this, I that. Well, with all due love and respect, your energy is going to be a little shittier <laughs> as a result of it. I don't know how else to say it. Okay? Yeah, I get it. So my energy is high because I don't get sucked into all that stuff. Right. So uh, forgive the profanity, but it was necessary at that moment. <laughs> It's all good. It's all good. So where are we? Discipline number three. This is, I call know thyself. Okay. But what's important here. So we're talking about energy management. You must know thyself. The, the, the reality of this discipline is to be yourself, but you can't be yourself until you know yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I got to start with the first link in the chain, if you will. So you out there, you've got to embark on a journey to know exactly who you are. And I pray for you, there's a day that you literally, it's almost like there's a set of bullet points on a document and that is you and the wacky you that you are. My impassioned plea is that you let your freak flag fly and you just be the unique being that you are. And you know, again, so that whatever that is, you're an introvert, you're an extrovert, you're a little quirky, you're funny, you're hardworking, you're intense, you're whatever it is, that is who you are and do not apologize for it. And the second you know thyself, you can start being yourself. And the day that you are fully yourself in every aspect of your life, your energy is going to shoot through the roof. And a story I like to tell, is when my wife threw me a 30th birthday party and I walk through the door and I hear surprise and there's a hundred people in this room and I look at all the eyeballs and there were six factions of my life in that room. There were my business partners, my employees, my family, my wife's family, my high school friends and my new friends. And I looked around that room and I said, who in the hell am I gonna be today? because mm -hmm. I was a different person with every single one of those factions. And so that was a light bulb moment. And that's when I changed my life to realize that, holy crap, I'm being, who the hell am I? I don't even know who I am. So you gotta figure out who you are and just be that in every situation and your energy will shoot through the roof. And so how do you do that? There are a million ways, but I would suggest a couple things profiling tools. Profiling tools are powerful. Mm -hmm. Colby, Myers-Briggs, DISC, DISC, and like a thousand other ones. Culture Index is another one that I like. Those are my kind of top four, but there are a hundred of them out there. So profiling tools help you start to understand yourself. And I would take those very seriously. 
Number two is therapy. Go get therapy. You're all a little screwed up out there. I did my seven years in my 20s. So, so therapy is good and it's going to help you understand all of your quirkiness, your neuroses, stuff going on in there. And so that's, that's one. And then the other one is just start asking people about your strengths and weaknesses and get insight from people in your life. So the one thing I loved about the strategic coach program, Dan Sullivan is one of my greatest mentors in the first year of that program, he has you ask like five or 10 people in your life, what are my strengths and weaknesses? And you get this wonderful feedback. So I learned a lot. I was probably 27, 28 when I first did that in his program. That was incredibly insightful. So lots of ways to know thyself, but please start the journey and be yourself. Let your freak flag fly. And which is hard to say like five times really fast. Oh, so. <laughs> sure it is. Sure it is. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of a story that it, I might get the artist wrong, but I think it was Michelangelo and who did the sculpture of David, right? This mm-hmm. beautiful sculpture. And someone came up to him and asked him, hey, well, how did you create this beautiful statue? And his response was really, oh, it's easy. I just took away everything that isn't the statue. And I think it's the same thing. All the profiling tools that helps you figure out who you are, but it also helps you figure out who you're not. And so you can essentially stop pretending. And I think it is a journey where you're just chipping away, finding that authentic self over time. I think the delegate and elevate tool that we, we talked about in doing what you love earlier is another, it's not a profiling tool, but it is another way for you to know yourself because you're just chipping away quarter after quarter of what is not. Yeah, yeah. and so you know that prompts like three things and I'll try mm-hmm. and say them fast. First of all, that's one of my favorite quotes, that uh, Michelangelo quote. Mm-hmm. Number two, you know, this is where there's another little sliver of the EOS life in this, doing what you love. Mm-hmm. But what's important about this one is it is so much more robust because when we talk about doing what you love, that's in the context of business and it's very tactical. This is you freely being you. And so in addition to doing the stuff you love to do and you're great at and work, This is your personality shining through. Mm -hmm. This is every aspect of your life. This is get ready because the second you are fully you, you are going to freak some people out in your life (laughs) that have had total control over you and they don't know the real you and it's going to freak them out and they're going to do everything in their power to get you to change back to that phony person that you were. So you're going to scare some people away. You're also going to experience judgment. People are going to judge the wacky, unique you that you are and do not apologize for it. So get ready because that's one of the reasons people don't fully become themselves is because they have people in their life that are just holding them back, pulling that crab back into the barrel that's trying to climb out. (laughs) Right. And it's really about you being your six-year-old self, right? I mean, six-year-old Gino running around, six-year-old Mark running around. That's a a scary sight that scare a bunch of people. That's exactly right. (laughs) Yep. So let's go to discipline four. Discipline four. So I call this one, be still. Two simple words. And so be still means that, again, we're managing energy here. You've got to, at intervals, take time and just stop and be still. And so you can call this many different things. You can call this meditation. You can call this prayer. You can call this, anyway, a bunch of different things. But it's just silence. It's where you are literally by yourself somewhere comfortable, a chair, sitting on the floor, whatever works for you, and you're just being still for 10 to 30 minutes a day. 
Some people do this for two hours a day, but 10 to 30 is the magic formula. And, and so the best way someone taught this to me in terms of an analogy or the effectiveness is if you picture like a, a jar, a glass jar with a lid on it and some water and sand in there. And if you shape that jar and set it on the table, it's very cloudy and murky and muddy, if you will, and mm -hmm. you can't see through it. But if you let that jar sit for 15 minutes, all of a sudden the sand settles, the water becomes very clear and lucid, and that's exactly what you're doing is you're settling yourself so your body can just relax, be clear. And this is where that saying comes up, you know, you're letting your soul catch up to your body. Mm -hmm. You're running so fast. And so I call it being still and it is transformative. It is incredibly powerful and it's a habit. It's a discipline. It's a routine. It takes time. So if you do this once for 10 minutes and you go, that did nothing for me, <laughs> point, make a long-term commitment to this. You'll be more creative. You'll have better ideas. But again, your energy will shoot through the roof. Yeah, I believe I read somewhere, and I, f I forget where, it was that 20 minutes is sort of the ideal, but whatever is best for you. Uh, do you do any breathing during that time? Or are you just sitting? This is what I've learned because I've probably read 10 different books on meditation, mm -hmm. and all 10 teach something different. Yep. So the point in that is you've got to find your formula. So definitely breathing. And so when I'm really having trouble calming my mind, I count my breaths, mm -hmm. okay? And when I don't need to really calm my mind, I just focus on my breathing. And so that helps. But I would suggest most of the time I'm not focusing on my breathing. I will start there for two or three minutes, but I just sit. And, and the, one of the things I picture myself doing to start things off is just kind of grounding myself. And, and so like somebody gave me an example of if you picture like a a burlap sack of potatoes and you tear it open on the bottom and all the potatoes kind of blah, 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 fall out of there. <laughs> I like literally picture my body just doing that where you're literally yeah. just falling into the chair and all of your weight is grounded. Mm -hmm. And then I also kind of picture being connected with the above. And then that kind of like locks me in, if you will. But that's my way. And there's just a million ways to do this. I also... If you've ever heard of Muse, it's actually a device you wear on your head and it measures your brain brain activity, mm. gives you a great indication of how active your brain is being and how close to settling in you are. And that'll help you understand where you really are. It's like a $250 device connected to an app on your phone. It's not something I do in my stillness every day for 30 minutes, but from time to time, once or twice a week, I'll put it on for 15 minutes to see where I am. And it's incredible mm -hmm. because I know when I'm completely like settled in and then I know when my brain is still very active. And that's a great way of, you know, scientifically knowing exactly where your brain is. So, but literally there's so many different ways to do it. Yeah. I've never heard of that. That's super cool. I know what I'm Muse, buying M later. <laughs> M-U-S-E. I kind of figured you would. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, 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 I'm going to. I ordered my kids bought it for me like three years ago and then I kind of forgot about it and I wanted it again. I forgot they bought it for me. So I bought it <laughs> however long ago. It it'll be there. If you buy it on Amazon, it'll be there tomorrow. Yeah, so I bet. I bet. Um so I've done Wim Hof breathing. And, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, the, the Ice Man. Uh, yeah. and I I have a good time with, with that. Um, and that book Breath, you know, yes. it's a great book. Mm -hmm. And so those are all great techniques for 
doing what we're talking about. Be still. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So discipline five, know your 100%. Yeah. So knowing your 100%, again, there's a sliver of this in the EOS life, but this is much more mm -hmm. robust in terms of knowing your 100% is about what I call your work capacity. And this is not only rolling in, how many hours are you going to work per week? And like I've shared, I'm a 55 hour a week guy. Let's pretend the example is you're a 50 hour a week person out there. This is looking at the entire year and saying, how many weeks am I going to work a year? And how many hours am I going to work every week? And again, you're not going to perfectly work 50 hours a week, but, but again, using me as the example, I work 40 hour, I, I work 40 weeks a year. Mm -hmm. And I work 55 hours a week inside of those weeks. And then I take the rest of the time off. The point though, is this isn't about time off. The point about this is work. What time are you going to devote to your craft? Mm -hmm. And if you really look at it that way, again, we're managing energy. There is an, an amount of time literally to the hour that if you work one more minute than that, your energy will wane. And so what I've learned now and being obsessively focused on this after 25 years, this body, this brain, this energy ball, <laughs> 40 weeks a year, 55 hours a week, that is my max output. And anything more than that, it's too much. It's mm -hmm. I start to burn out. I, so I found my perfect formula. And so it's, I call it your work container. Figure out your work container, maximum output, keeps your energy high. And any more than that, it starts to wane. It's just figuring it out, dialing it in. Because here's the simple point. You cannot work 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. It's humanly impossible. So now let's work it backwards. You can't work 364 and 20, 23 hours. So somewhere between zero and 365 days, 24 seven, there's a formula for you and we're all different. Just figure out your formula. And in that you will maximize your energy. And so for, for me as a, a former engineer, right? So I would document and do log books and I would write down everything that I, to find my number, which is right around 55 hours. How would you suggest people go and go through the process to discover there 100%. So for you, it took a little while to find that 55 was it. How did you document that? How did you track that? There's a... So I would say a few things. Number one, awareness. It all starts with awareness. If you will just be aware of what I'm saying, that's 90% of the work because mm -hmm. now the radar's up. You're aware of this thing. Okay. Number two, I look back at when I was building EOS worldwide and writing those books. I mean, I was killing myself and I, and I look back to those days and I realized I would come home and I would just be like dead. I, I, I would sit on that couch <laughs> stare and be, at the I'd ceiling <laughs> with my wife. And I just be like, uh, uh, because I was just like pushing it so hard. Yeah. So, there's an indicator that that's too much. Okay. <laughs> so your wife so, tells so you. <laughs> we got to cut that back a little bit. Yep. Uh, the next thing is, you know, I religiously every year 
am counting my days. So when the year's done, I go back through my calendar. And Dan Sullivan's strategic coach program has this entrepreneurial time system he calls focus free and buffer days. You don't have to embrace that, but the point is I'm adding up my focus free and buffer days. Another way to look at it is just, you know, add up your work days, add up the days off, and you'll start to see. And so for 20 years I've done that and I just I just become more aware, wow, so this year I did this many days and this is how I felt. And so again, awareness, awareness, awareness. Mm -hmm. And then the 55 hours, which it's interesting you say 50 hours because I think I'm actually now a 50 hour a week person. And, and this is the year it shifted this last 12 months. So I think I'm actually gonna start saying 50 hours because again, through this awareness, what I always realized, you know, I take most weekends off, but I, I realized that like from like seven in the morning until six at night. That's like my peak max output highest energy. And that's 11 hours. And I would do that Monday through Friday. Mm -hmm. And so that was like my perfect formula. Now it's almost like it's like uh, maybe 7.30 or 8. So, so, and again, I'm just aware of these things. So I'm realizing it's probably closer to like 10 hours a day, five days a week now. So just awareness, measure it, pay attention to it. It'll be, it'll come abundantly it'll come up. clear. Yeah. Awesome. So discipline number six, say yes often. I mean, say no, <laughs> <laughs> say no often. <laughs> you should have seen what that just did to my energy when you said that wrong. Um, so, so, so the discipline, so everybody's clear out there with yeah. your humor, it is say no dot, dot, dot often. And, and so this one is powerful. So a few things here, first of all, my favorite Warren Buffett quote, and there's so many of them, but he talks about how, you know, the difference between successful people and really successful people is that really successful people say no to almost everything. And so that's point one. And so the point is, if you're a successful person and you're busy, there's a lot of stuff coming at you. And a lot of you are saying yes to everything. And so imagine what that's doing to your energy. Mm -hmm. You've got to start saying no to things. And what's beautiful about this, and the reason that it's number six, is see the previous five disciplines. Because when you're operating by the previous five disciplines, what you must say no to is so obvious. And what you yeah. should say yes to is so obvious. So these all kind of tie together when we get to this sixth discipline. Mm -hmm. The other quote I would share, so for anybody that really wants to get good at this, I highly recommend you read Essentialism, a book by McCowan is the author. And, and, and you will see how I live my life every day. When I read that book, it was a religious experience because it was my life to a T, but he shares a very powerful quote. And the, and the quote, I'll get it 80% right, but the, the point will come through. And it's a quote in the book, uh, where this person talks about the mere thought of saying no to someone gives us physical discomfort. We literally, most human beings feel physical discomfort to say no to someone, but you have two choices in life. You can say no and feel that discomfort for a few minutes, or you can say yes and regret it for days and weeks mm -hmm. and months and sometimes years. So very, very powerful. So I love saying no to people. I relish it. It makes it like gets me excited. I've gotten so good at it, but it's so easy for me to say no because it's so obvious what I say no to. And so I get asked literally 20 things a week. 
that I say no to. There's a lot of stuff coming at me. And if I said yes to it all, I'd keel over and die because it'd be too much. So it's a no brainer. It's so intuitive, obvious, simple to me. And everyone out there just needs to build that muscle. And so I suggest two things. First of all, if we're in a live audience together, I literally have you all look at each other and shout no to start <laughs> to build the muscle. And then number two, I just urge you to think about the next seven days of your life and look at your calendar. There's something you're about to do that you must say no to or be aware of something that's about to happen in the next seven days to say no to. Say no to something in the next seven days. You, appointment you have scheduled already that you need to cancel. Somebody's gonna ask you something you must say no to. So say no to it, celebrate it, and start to build this muscle and habit for saying no. Again, your energy will shoot through the roof. Yeah, and, and this may be one, to me, one of the most powerful ones and the maybe the one I struggle with the most. And what always brings me back is that if I say yes, chances are I'm not going to be able to live my ideal life, my EOS life. All right. Discipline number seven, don't do $25 an hour work if you want to earn six figures. So discipline number seven is don't do $25 an hour work dot, 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 if you want to earn six figures, okay? So I'm not knocking $25 an hour work. We need people doing $25 an hour work. We need $15 an hour, $20 an hour. So the point here is, this isn't about how to make more money. This is about if you're a six figure person, you want to earn six figures, you do earn six figures, you're that type of a racehorse, if you will. This is about managing your energy in that as a six-figure earner or somebody who wants to earn six figures, doing $25 hour work is going to crush your energy, zap your energy. And so we wanna keep you at that level. And so the simplest way to describe this is this advice was given to me when I was 23 years old and it changed my life. And one of my mentors, Ed Escobar, who said, Gino, if you wanna earn six figures, you should not be cutting your lawn. Okay, and so in its simplest form, I get no energy cutting my lawn. I hate cutting my lawn. If you out there love cutting your lawn, keep cutting your lawn. This is about, I realize I could pay someone $25 to cut my lawn. That's gonna free up an hour of my time to work, to do something I love, to spend time on a passion, to spend time with a family member that's going to help me earn more money. So the idea here is just to not do those kind of activities. And now let's go right to work. So if you're checking email, if you're opening mail, if you're doing paperwork, so think about all the $25 an hour work, you shouldn't be doing that. You should pay somebody $25 an hour to do that work so that you're freed up to do the stuff that you have energy for, you know, $100, $500, $1,000 an hour work. Yes, you'll make more money, but again, your energy will go through the roof don't do $25 an hour work if you want to make six figures or you are making six figures. Very nice. This is one thing that for myself, I've been pretty much always really good at. Like I would pay kids to deliver my newspapers or <laughs> like I'm going to get the paper route and then you're going to do the work. <laughs> Yeah, and there's, a, and there's a formula out there yep, yep. Um, that says that you're going to get like a four to five X return 
when you pay somebody to do that work because it's freeing you up to go be more productive with something else. So yeah. this also is scientific because I too, once that was taught to me at 23, here we are 30 years later, I have been obsessive about that and very good at that. And so I just hire people around me to do all that stuff. And the busier I get, I just hire more people to do it so I can just keep elevating myself to that high dollar an hour work, stuff I love to do where my energy's high. Mm -hmm. It's magic formula. For sure. All right, discipline number eight, prepare every night. So tell yes. us about tell us about that one. Yeah, and so, you know, I talk about how when this came to me, these 10 disciplines, and I decided to share it with the world for the first time, it's me being a little vulnerable because number one, I, re I, I don't love talking about myself. I don't love sharing what I do because it feels, you know, braggy and, and it like I'm, I, I don't tooting my own horn. And, and, and it's just also a little scary to say, hey, here's what I do, because mm -hmm. then you open yourself for all the judgment that you receive. <laughs> what I have done every year for 25 years is I believe very strongly that you should not go to bed until you clearly know exactly what you're going to do tomorrow. And, and now I have 25 years of history to report on how well this works. Again, we're talking about energy management. Yeah. So, so what I believe is when your day, your work day ends and somewhere before your head hits that pillow is you've got to prepare for the next day. You gotta know exactly what you're doing the next day. And so for some people, it's once they finish their day, they do it immediately and then they've got the rest of the evening to themselves. Some people it's just before they go to bed, they do it. It's, it's always somewhere in there for me. It's, there's nothing scientific about when I do it. It's just before my head hits the pillow. So what happens when you do this is you will sleep better, you will be more peaceful, your brain, your subconscious is literally working through the middle of the night thinking about these things and you wake up with ideas. And so you actually then wake up and you hit the ground running. And so what I do, and this is the part that's a little bit vulnerable, is I do a legal pad. So I live my life from a legal pad. And so you know, a lot of people in my life, they'll laugh when they see me with that legal pad because when I walk into a coffee shop, a meeting or whatever, I've got my trusty legal pad in pen. It's always here with me. And, and so what I do is I sit with a legal pad before my head hits the pillow, whatever time that is, and I literally lay out the next day, time block it. So my meetings, my phone calls, my projects, my sessions, my whatever, it's all laid out in a linear fashion. And I wake up, hit the ground running, working from that legal pad. And then I repeat that same thing every day, you know, for the last 25 years, I will for the next 25 years. And it makes me some degree more productive. I wish I could give you the math, but again, what it does for my energy is incredible. So what are you going to do when they stop making legal pads? Oh, I'll, I'll make my own. I'll, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll cut down my own tree. I'll create my own pulp. I'll start my own. Anyway, so I don't think they will uh, because everybody's so different. But, but with that said, yeah. you can do this on any technology that works for you. I'm not saying do this on a legal pad, although many do. Yeah. You just have to figure out the technology that you want to lay out your day on and just do what works best for you. And I'm just a big believer in the power of writing. And I urge that you write, whether it's a tablet, a legal pad or whatever, you know, works for you. Yeah. And there's just a ton of science around the value of handwriting something slow on a piece of paper. Hopefully you can read it, which sometimes is a problem for me, but versus typing. And also if you're going to do it at night and you got the glow on your face and, you know, there's a lot of sleep science that disrupts your sleep. So I'm not making fun of your legal pad. I like it. <laughs> 
And it's okay if you do. Yep, it yep. <laughs> None whatsoever. <laughs> Unless I buy up all the legal pads and then you might have a problem. Exactly right. Okay, I've got a pretty good inventory of them. So I'm I bet ready you do. For a <laughs> I bet you do. All right. Uh, so discipline nine, put everything in one place. So continuing the story of my legal pad, and, and, and I'll start with the context first and then share how I do it. This is a discipline where you have to decide where you're gonna put everything because the normal successful person that's going throughout their day, they are making lots of commitments, they are solving lots of problems, they are having lots of ideas. And so with that, they're jotting these things down everywhere and so they're putting a sticky note here making a note in their calendar putting something here and that's everything and so at the end of the day there's just this mess of stuff and half of it doesn't even get captured and what's happening is your energy is very scattered but you're also letting people down because you're forgetting things mm -hmm. and so this discipline says decide once and for all where you're putting everything so every time you have an idea it goes here same place. Every time you make a commitment to someone, it goes here. Every time you have a thought, it goes here. And so you're putting everything in one place. So again, it might be in your calendar. It might be in your, in your tablet. It might be on your phone. It might be on your legal pad. But again, for me, it's my legal pad. And, and so this is where, you know, again, jokingly, that legal pad is always with me. And so when I'm walking into meetings, coffee shops, like I say, because when I have a thought, when I have an idea, when I make a commitment, I'm just jotting it down on my legal pad. And so at the end of the day, I have a bunch of additional notes in addition to how I laid my day out before. And when I then sit down to prepare for the next day, I'm pulling all of those things off of the legal pad and I'm compartmentalizing it where it needs to go. Some things get moved to tomorrow to get it done for tomorrow. Some things go on my calendar two months from now. Some things I take care of literally right there while I'm preparing for the next day. But the point is that's the epicenter of everything. So I never let anyone down. My energy is not scattered. I'm following through on every commitment. My ideas are being captured. Sometimes I get to the end of the day and I go, whoa, that was a really stupid idea. And I just simply cross it off the list, but put everything in one place and you will be much more effective and let less people down. Love that, love that. And so for myself, I, I've been a getting things done aficionado for a very long time, a book by David Allen. And one of the things uh, that I think is really Im important, doesn't matter what system you use, is really if you're sick in bed with the flu, can you continue on executing that system faithfully? So I'm imagining, Gino, when you're sick in bed with the flu, you got your legal pad next to you and you got everything you, you need. So whatever it is you, you, you choose, you, yeah, you got to be able to so stick with it. So interesting you say that because never at home is my legal pad near yeah. me. <laughs> you mean you just don't carry it around all the time? <laughs> but to your point, if I'm sick at home with the flu, yep. it might be near me as I'm on the couch. But what is interesting is when I'm in a hotel room, when I'm traveling, the night before our QCEs as implementers, when I ran those QCEs for 10 years, that legal pad was always sitting on my bed in the hotel room. And I literally wrote three to five things throughout the night as I'm preparing for that next day, thinking about that next day, my gears are turning. Mm -hmm. So that's an interesting thing that you say that it is sitting on my bed when I'm in a hotel room as I'm having ideas because I'm in full on work mode when I'm, you know, in that state. Yeah. And, and I always use the, the quote that under pressure, we don't rise to the occasion. We sink to the lowest level of our discipline and training, right? right? So whatever system you have, stick to it, it and make it a discipline you can do while you're sick in bed with the flu. So discipline number 10, 
out of the 10. Yes, and so this one is very simple, two words, be humble. So, you know, the first reaction when somebody hears this is what the heck does that have to do with energy? And so I'll do my best to describe it. And so I'll start with the context here as well, and that is everyone out there is somewhere on a spectrum. And so if you picture this spectrum, and on the far right side of the spectrum is the word humble, and on the far left side of the spectrum is the word arrogant, we are all somewhere on that spectrum, okay? And obviously, if you're a, a very humble person, you're all the way to the right. If you're a, a very arrogant person, you're somewhere to the left. And what's interesting is if you look up the definition of each one of those words, the definition is almost exactly the same because the definition of humble is, you know, how you view yourself in the face of others, you know, along the lines of how you treat others, how you, your value in comparison to others. And when you look up the definition of arrogant, it's the exact same thing. So it's so ironic. So, you know, there's a great quote, and I wish I could remember his name uh, off the top of my head, but I can't. But his quote says, you know, being humble is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. So what I would suggest is this, for starters, out there, you out there listening, think about that spectrum and put a dash on the line as to where you think you are. Then I would urge you to go to five people in your life, the closest people in your life, and have them put a dash on the line as to where they think you are. You might be a little bit surprised by what you <laughs> learned. And it's simply this, being humble in life, I personally believe the journey is better that I personally believe more people are attracted to you. You attract other like-minded people. You attract people that want to fight for you. Uh, the journey is more fun. And, and so that's all translated into energy as opposed to the arrogant person. And again, we all know those people. And then me personally, I will say in my 20s, I was going down a very arrogant path. And it was my father-in-law, Neil Pardun, who changed my life. God rest his soul. But it was through his example. It's not like he grabbed me and hit me upside the head. He, was, he taught me and showed me by his example that you can be both humble and have wealth. And so he was just the most humble man. And uh, by his example, I realized, wow, you know, there's a different way to live this life. And anyway, so, so I urge you to be humble but that's for you to decide. And uh, there will be a complete correlation, a total correlation to your energy. Yeah, that's, that's really good. And what with that being humble and wealthy, it takes me to the millionaire next door mm -hmm. and uh, Dr. Thomas Stanley, right? And the study of the millionaires, they are humble, right? I mean, they have the Timex watch and they have the Ford F-150 or <laughs> whatever. The, you know. I love that you bring that up. And I've, I, I've yet to correlate or bring that into this discipline. And it so fits here because it's another book that was transformative for mm -hmm. me. And what's powerful, and it talks about statistically, the wealthiest people in the world, you would never know they're wealthy. So uh, fascinating, fascinating book. Yep. And it makes this point about as strong as every anything else I could imagine yeah big hat no cattle <laughs> <laughs> well and then that's the other point and then the people right. with all the stuff they tend to be broke in right. debt right. you know leverage to the hilt that's <laughs> so fascinating stuff as a rule as a general rule right you know, right 90 percent true on both sides and then you've got some exceptions for sure for sure so that's the 10 disciplines 
And I mean, Gino, when you, when you think about these 10 disciplines and, and adding the, the fuel to the fire of a racehorse, is there any one of the 10 or two of the 10 that you would say, if you do just a couple, which ones would you choose? Yeah, it's so funny you say that. So it's like Sophie's choice. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I do all 10 yep. and I wouldn't stop doing any one. And I think they are all high gain. So what mm-hmm. I would urge for somebody listening out there that says, I can't do all 10, I'm not gonna do all 10, I just wanna do one, you pick because any one you pick, you are going to get lift. You are going to see an increase in energy. You're going to see an impact. Please do them all. You don't have to do them all, but you have to pick. They're just, honest to God, there isn't this one super high gain because using two examples, if you just start preparing every night, just start doing that starting tonight, Mm -hmm. you are literally within three days gonna see a transformation in your energy. If you just start thinking in 10 year time frames you're going to instantly feel a change so it's so it's i i can't pick one yeah and and they may want to just choose any of the 10 maybe one per quarter right so pick yeah, one add one, one per quarter these are disciplines they're habits right and it takes a little bit to one per those. quarter one per year one per week you decide just do start it start with one and and, yep. and by the way Pick the one that's easiest for you. Don't pick the hardest one. Start with the easiest one. See some yeah. results, then pick the next easiest one for you. So you'll get results from anyone. But I'll say it again. I hope you do all 10. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, this has been great, Gino. Thanks again. Thanks for, for being on the, the podcast. Appreciate it immensely. My pleasure. What a blast. Appreciate you, brother. <laughs> all right, you too. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you got value from today's episode. Remember to ask yourself, how long will you wait until you demand the best for yourself? How long will you wait until you live your ideal life, the EOS life?